Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Effective Altruism Forum podcast. My name is Coleman Snell. Thank you all for joining us this week. The podcast where we look at the top-rated articles and forum posts from the Effective Altruism Forum in the last week, and we give summaries of them. So all of you guys can go ahead and work a little bit more effectively on the high-impact projects, goals, and learnings that you guys are the most interested in. We can go ahead and jump straight into it with the methodologies and philosophy section. The first article this week is We Can Do Better Than ArgMax by Jan underscore Colvite and Gavin. The author's TLDR is a common prioritization method in EA is putting all resources on your top option or ArgMax. But this can be foolish. So we deviate in ad hoc ways. The authors describe a principled softmax approach allocating resources to several options by confidence. This works well when a whole community collaborates on impact and when opportunities are fleeting or initially unknown or under conditions when large actors are in play. The next article comes to us from Maxwell Tabarok and it's called Parfit plus Singer plus Aliens equals question mark. What the author breaks into in this article is a conversation about the chances of intelligent life and morally relevant aliens existing somewhere in the universe dramatically increasing if we were to find even extremely simple single cellular or otherwise simple life forms. In this case, human extinction isn't as bad because the difference between 95%, 100% of humans becoming dead is substantially decreased if we find other forms of life in the universe. This makes, this makes risky moves like advancing AI or biotechnology, which could either destroy us or be hugely positive, more positive on balance and implies we should upweight higher volatility paths. That is, that we can upweight the benefits or potential benefits of doing more risky behaviors, and that there's more cause for moral justification of those things. The next article is from Mikkel Plant, Givewell, Jason Sukraft, Matt underscore Lerner, and Innovations for Poverty Action. The article is called Measuring Good Better and consists of transcripts of five-minute lightning talks by various organizations on their approach to measuring good. And what we'll be giving now is a very short summary of each of the sections overviewed in the Measuring Good Better article. The first is Give Well, which uses moral weights to compare different units. Things like doubling income versus saving an under five-year-old's life. GiveWell's measurement is based on 60% donor surveys, 30% from a 2019 survey of 2,000 people in Kenya and Ghana, and the remaining 10% is staff opinion, expert opinion. Next, we have Open Philanthropy's Global Health and Wellbeing Team, which uses the unit of, quote, a single dollar to someone making 50000 per year, and then compares everything to that in their talk. An example of Open Philanthropy's approach here with their global health and well-being team is that, for example, averting one disability-adjusted life year, or DALY, is worth 100,000 of the units they're using. Next, we have the Happier Lives Institute, which focuses on well-being specifically, measuring well-bees. One well-bee is a one-point increase on a 0 to 10 life satisfaction scale for one year, and a well-bee is just a well-being-adjusted life year. Moving on to the Founder Pledge, which values cash at $199 per Welby. They have a conversion rates for Welbys to income doublings to deaths, avoided to dollies, um, or that's a disability uh, adjusted life year. 
voided and using work from some of the orgs above, they have made additional conversion rates with some of the other measuring systems. This conversion rate system that Founders Pledge has in the specific cash value of $199 per Welby that they have created means that they can designate specific economic value and utility to where they put their money, where they use the donations they have to do the most good. The last of the five-minute lightning talks that various orgs have given is presented by Innovations for Poverty Action, which asks different questions depending on the project stage. These stages are idea, pilot, measuring, scaling, etc. Some of the early questions they ask, for example, are if it's the right solution for the audience, and only down the line can you ask questions that are a little bit more developed, like does this actually save more lives than alternative solution? And these are all ways, again, the transcript's main aim is to you know, communicate what these orgs are doing in order to measure good better, which is obviously a key component of this larger project we have as the effective altruism community to do the most good we can. Moving on to object level interventions and reviews section of the podcast, the first article we have in this section is called Introducing the Effective Altruism Good Governance Project by Graydon. And the author's TLDR reads, I believe good governance is important and often underrated within effective altruism. Because of this, I'm launching the EA Good Governance Project. Its first initiative will be a directory of EA board candidates. Graydon then writes that if you have the skills and experience to offer to an EA board for the Good Governance Project, that you add and get in contact in the link that they provide. And they also plan to add practical resources for boards. Things like how to measure impact and set appropriate policies and are looking for contributors to this as well. And next we have Tegmark's post, which is called Why I Think There's a 1 in 6 Chance of an Imminent Global Nuclear War. Despite the name of the article taking one too many takes to get right, in this one, Tegmark predicts that there's a 30% chance of Russia launching nukes and also predicts that in that case, about an 80% chance that NATO responds with conventional weapons which he then goes on to argue that in which case there's a 70% chance of a global nuclear war resulting from such responses. This equates to a 1 in 6 chance of a nuclear war from today's state. Tegmark argues that Putin will not accept a full loss without going nuclear because he'd likely be jailed and killed or thrown out of political office. The other alternative, de-escalation, seems disfavorable in the West because Ukraine is winning the fight right now. And if a nuke is used in Ukraine, escalation to eventual nuclear war seems likely because the countries involved have a long history of nuclear near misses, along with the involved countries already having made retaliation threats already. These predictions are significantly more pessimistic than the community average Mediculus currently gives the first stage nuclear use in Ukraine a 7% odds this year. And the Smoltzvetsi article that we covered last week gives 16% chance for the next year and a 1.6% chance of nuclear use beyond that in the following year. Moving from nukes to AI, the next article we have is by Marius Hobo Alhin, I think is how you pronounce it, and it's called Lessons Learned from Talking to Over 100 Academics About AI Safety. The author talked to 100 to 200 people in academia about AI safety from bachelor students to senior faculty over the last several years. And this post of theirs summarizes their key learnings. The author's TLDR, lightly edited, reads, Academics are increasingly open to arguments about AI risk, and I'd recommend having lots of these chats. 
I underestimated how much work related to aspects of AI safety, that is things like interpretability, already exist in academia. We sometimes reinvent the wheel, messaging matters, and technical discussions got more interest than alarmist, and explaining the problem rather than trying to actively convince someone received better feedback. Anonymous advice, if you want to reduce AI risk, should you take roles that advance AI capabilities? This question was posed by Benjamin Hilton and 80,000 Hours. Work which increases AI capabilities is intertwined with certain types of safety work and can be a good way to skill build for safety work. However, it can be also harmful by accelerating dangerous artificial intelligence capabilities. ADK anonymously asked 22 experts for their views on this balance and received 10 responses published in full in this article. The ways in which many experts learned their respective skills and the common arguments for those learnings are summarized with the following. Mostly yes. There's lots of overlap between alignment and capability work. Capabilities work is heavily funded and incentivized on the margin. One researcher isn't going to do much. Influencing the organizations from within is also important. That was a noted argument repeatedly. Building career capital is also critical and important. In the learning yes, if careful approach, about four of the responses fell under that. Some types of capability research are more dangerous than others. Things like training, efficiency, world modeling, understanding, etc. Avoid these. Other types overlap well with safety or unlikely to accelerate artificial general intelligence. Go for these is what these four learning, yes, if careful, AI researchers argued. The last is value drift is also common. Stay in touch with the alignment community. Keep up those bonds. For the mostly no, except in edge cases, there were three responses that fell under this category. The two big points here are, for the mostly no's, the main argument is that there's a limited amount of capability research until we reach our official general intelligence. And that's our timeline for alignment. Don't use it up unless the work is really worth it. As for the strong no's, the top arguments were top researchers contribute a lot, don't risk advancing capabilities significantly when you could potentially be greatly helping artificial general intelligence alignment, and the last one is alignment research has capability implications. Reverse is rarely. You may be able to further artificial general intelligence capabilities, but once you do, are you really in control of those technological discoveries and inventions? Next, we have an article from uh, Janae M. Korhonen, Korhonen, I think is how you pronounce it. My apologies for the name. And it is covering the Shelter Weekend. It's Sheltering Humanity Against X-Risk Report from the Shelter Weekend is the name of the article. And this is a write-up of learnings from participant in the August Shelter Weekend, an event for gaining clarity on what's needed to build civilizational shelters to help us hide away from potential destruction and societal collapse. Key takeaways included reliable shelters against X-Risk are probably infeasible and have some major downsides. These include incentivizing hazards and also rich versus poor dynamics and powerful versus weak dynamics as well. The other one is increasing societal resilience and capability for cooperative action is a much better approach. It is the systemic risk approach that I am a massive, massive supporter of. Check out the X-Risk Fundamentals program if you want to learn more about this exactly. But this could tackle this could be tackled via improving existing disaster management systems, hardening risky facilities such as biolabs, and supporting isolated communities with their buy-in and their consent, of course. Next, both the shelters and general resilience efforts are primarily not a technological problem. They're a societal one, they're a systemic one. 
An exception would be developing self-sustaining ecosystems for space colonization, which would be a pretty good long-term bet. Risks without societal breakdown involved are unlikely to be X-risks, other than those that wouldn't benefit from shelters such as AI. Dangerous pathogens were broadly agreed as the highest risk in this area. Next, we have an article called Responding to Recent Critiques of Iron Fortification in India by E19 Brendan. Fortify Health co-founder Brendan responds to forum posts, which suggest that recent studies on the prevalence of anemia in India and proportional attribution are attributable to iron deficiency should lower cost-effectiveness estimates of fortification. The post also suggested using more targeted treatment and changing anemia cutoffs to more effectively use resources. In Brennan's quest to improve iron deficiency work within effective altruism for the highest impact possible, Brennan reviewed additional provided studies and found that anemia attributed to iron deficiency is an important measure, but the studies seem comparable to GiveWell's estimates. Targeted treatment has promise and is likely worth doing, though does mention it is a little bit less scalable. And cutoffs for, quote, healthy iron levels is a really tricky topic, medically speaking. Even those without diagnosed conditions might be healthier with more iron. Next, we have counterarguments to the basic AI risk case by Katja Grace. Katja presents counterarguments to the overall set of arguments that goal-directed AIs are likely and that it would be hard to align them to good goals. So, because of this, she argues that there are significant X risks. A couple of the main points of the argument are as follows. Artificial intelligences may optimize more for, quote, looking like they're pursuing X goal than actually pursuing it. This would mean they wouldn't go after instrumental goals like money or power. The next is even if an AI's values and goals don't match ours, they could be close enough or be non-disruptive. Or they could have short time horizons that don't make worldwide takeovers worth it. Katja also argues that we might overpower a single superintelligent AI. Collaboration was as or more important than intelligence for humans becoming the dominant species here on Earth. And we could have non-agentic AIs on our side. AIs might also hit ceilings in intelligence or be working on tasks that don't scale much with intelligence specifically. Katja also argues that the core AI X-risk argument could apply to corporations as well, but we don't consider them X-risks. Corporations are goal-directed, hard to align precisely, far more powerful than individual humans, and adapt over time to circumstances. Katja argues that despite these similarities between AI and corporations, corporations are not seen widely within the effective altruism community as X-risks. The next article is titled, The U.S. Expands Restrictions on AI Exports to China, What Are the X-Risk Effects? by Stephen Clare. Last week, the Biden administration announced regulations that make it illegal for U.S. corporations to export certain AI-related products and services to China, including high-end chips and semiconductor equipment. The author questions on the impact of China's AI trajectory and if this will increase the likelihood of conflict and how these rising tensions might affect cooperation on other global hazards that are facing the world. And now moving on to the opportunities presented in Effective Altruism this week. First, we have Stanford's Accenture Risk Initiative announcing something called MATS, which will be having a winter 2022 cohort. And this was posted by Ryan Kidd. Applications are now open until October 24th for the MATS program, which supports aspiring alignment researchers to do independent research with funding via long-term future fund. 
Mentorship and training are also included. The winter cohort will run November 7th through February 23rd and be in person in Berkeley from January 3rd onwards. Richard NGO announced something called the Alignment 201 curriculum, which is a follow-up to the Alignment Fundamentals curriculum from last year. And it is a nine-week curriculum that aims to give enough knowledge to understand the frontier of current research discussions. It's targeted at people who have taken the previous course in addition to having some knowledge of deep learning and reinforcement learning and is aimed at people who have general interest in safety and alignment work. And next we have something called Mediculus launches the forecasting our world in data project to probe the long-term future announced by Christian and Ed Matthew. Forecasting our world in data is a tournament that will deliver our predictions on technological advancement, global development, and social progress using our world in data metrics. It's a $20,000 prize pool for accurate forecasts on one to three year time horizons and cogent analysis on 10 to 100 year horizons. The first questions have opened with more to come on the 19th and 26th of October. Next, we have something called the Growth Theory Reading List announced by Louis Mota. Lists of readings on economic growth theory broken down into 10 subtopics such as long run historical growth, artificial intelligence and growth, stagnation, and growth and happiness. The next announcement is from Alex Berazenoy, and it is announcing EAGX Virtual, a virtual venue, timings, and other updates. This post announced that applications for EAGX Virtual are due before the 19th of October, and the conference itself will be the 21st of October. Over 600 applicants so far from over 60 countries will be attending. The post highlights content to expect platforms used and puts out a call for volunteers as well. And now to community and effective altruism in the media news. The first one is something called Why Defense Writing is Bad for Community Epistemics by Emric. Defensive writing is optimizing your writing for making sure no one has a bad impression of you. This can become a norm when readers try to make inferences about the author versus just learning from the content. In brackets, judgmental reading. Both make communication inefficient and writing really scary. The author suggests being clear as a writer about the purpose of your writing, and being honest more so, if it helps your readers especially do this. As a reader, he suggests interpreting things charitably, rewarding confidence, and not punishing people for what they don't know. The next piece is called, When Reporting AI Timelines, Be Clear Who You're Not Deferring To, by Sam Clark. It's common to ask people's AI timelines and also common for responses not to include whether they're independent impressions or based on other people's views. This can lead to these timelines feeling more robust than they actually are and to groups of EAs converging on the same timelines without good reasoning. The author suggests if you haven't formed an independent impression, always say, always clarify who you're deferring to. If you're asking about someone's timeline, always ask how they got them. Sam Clark also put up a poll that will help us work out who exactly people are deferring to the most. The next post is called Unabsurdity by Ollie Bass. What we're doing is absurdly ambitious. Looking at things through the absurdity lens can help us step back, get energy, and be kinder to ourselves and others, particularly when we fail. For instance, realizing, quote, trying to work out the world's biggest problem with my two college friends, or, quote, running for office with no background to single-handedly influence the Senate on global health security. These are absurd tasks, and to recognize that takes some of the pressure off while still remaining meaningful. So Ali suggests that it is really worth remembering while doing effective altruism work. 
The next article is Finn Morehouse suggesting some of his favorite Carl Sagan quotations. I know many people in EA are massive fans of Carl, and I absolutely adore the man's work. Um, it's one of the big reasons why I end up going to Cornell itself. Uh, Carl Sagan, wonderful astronomer and science communicator for those who didn't know. Massive inspiration for all the work that I do. Also, the old Cosmos series is perfect. Nonetheless, Finn here is suggesting some of his favorite quotes about Carl Sagan and from Carl Sagan, and many of the ideas relate to long-termism and existential risk, and it are very, very poetic. I highly recommend this if you're ever feeling a little overwhelmed with the work or feeling like your, your head's a little bit too much in the mud. Read some Carl Sagan quotes, and thank you so much to Finn for suggesting some of his favorites. And also, for any Carl Sagan enthusiasts out there, fun fact about him is while he was working at Cornell, him and his wife actually lived in a secret society's old house that is the shape of an Egyptian tomb on a cliffside and is still around today. That's quite, quite fun if you ever get the chance to visit Ithaca. The next article is called Counterproductive EA Mental Health Advice and What to Say Instead. And this article is from Ada Maria Havarinen. So here the author writes that some well-meaning vice is counterproductive, and this includes telling people that happiness is important to productivity, making happiness an instrumental goal tends to make people less happy. They've donated enough to save a life slash offset damage, so they clearly deserve to live, associates their work as a person with what they contribute. And the last one suggested here as really counterproductive and damaging to people's mental health is take a break from EA and come back when you feel better. The author argues that this makes the right to a break feel conditional on coming back, so it's not really a true break. Instead, the author suggests say things in a way that reflects you care about the person for their intrinsic value, not just the impact they can have. And this can be important in self-talk as well. It is challenging. This article gets to something at the heart of EA that is something that is sometimes hard to figure out what to do quite culturally with, right, when giving advice to people. Because even though we're trying to do the most good better, that doesn't necessarily mean, and that does not mean, that we can treat any individual person as merely a means to that end. So thank you very much to Ada Maria Havanarnan. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for not pronouncing your name. I love your article very, very much as well. So thank you so much for writing that. The next article is Cultural EA Considerations for Nordic Folks. Once again, by the previous author as well. Cultural information about EA that contrasts with the norm from a Finnish and Nordic perspective is what Ada Maria presents here. And this article presents a few different things about cultural differences between where most EAs are and folks coming from a Nordic slash Finnish perspective or cultural background. Uh, it also talks a little bit about career considerations and differences in interaction style. Next, we have Giving What We Can, Majamir. Grace Adams and Jack Lewers presenting Changes to EA Giving Tuesday for 2022. Giving What We Can and One for the World volunteered to manage EA Giving Tuesday for 2022, somewhat scaled back, however. Around 25% of the charities as previously, and minimal testing slash revision of donation strategy. If you'd like to participate, please sign up for the email updates in the link linked on the article. And lastly, we have an article post called Ask Charity Entrepreneurship Anything by Ula Corlana Sarek, and a user named Joey. Some topics at the time of summarizing from the base of questions that were presented are that CE, charity entrepreneurship, believes there are limits to desk research. Entrepreneurs starting separate organizations versus sitting as a part of CE give more flexibility to take a risk in their career, lets them move faster, and often suits the applicants who want ownership over their project. And lastly, many people underrate their chances of being accepted. Largely, they explain this 
because they're new to EA, don't have experience or domain expertise, or think they'll be excluded on the basis of age or location. None of these factors should stop someone from applying. The best way to test fit is to apply. And the best way to build experience and expertise is via the program. And there you have it, guys. The 10th of October through the 16th of October, 2022, and the EA Form weekly summarization of those. Thank you guys so much. My name is once again Coleman, Coleman Snell. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our team, Zoe Williams, wonderful author. Thank you so much for writing these summaries. And also to David Reinstein. Keep cultivating that meaning from doing good better. I'll see you guys next week.